From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Atlanta sports fans are all too familiar with dashed hopes, but there are some flickers of light on the horizon. While the Falcons are having a rough first half of the season, the Hawks and Atlanta United are taking home win after win. We've got a couple of pros to talk us through some of the current dynamics of Georgia sports. John Nelson, correspondent and host for GPB's Football Fridays and the Football Fridays podcast. He joins us now by phone this morning. John, hello. Nothing like uh, multitasking, hey, VA? <laughs> you know how to do it. Also with us, Taylor Gant, Morning Edition producer and congenital sports watcher. Thank you so much for oh, being with congenital. us. Congenital. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Let's start with the Falcons head coach, Dan Quinn. Pretty much the talk of the town and now the talk of the nation. Everybody is asking about this. The team mm-hmm. faced the Seattle Seahawks at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Sunday. What was on the line for Coach Quinn going into this game? I'll ask you first, John. Other than his job? Well, that seems like it. And when your team gets off to to such a horrible start, and it seems to be the same kind of playing that we see every single week. The team falls behind quickly, they fall behind early, and then there's the furious comeback at the end, and they end up coming up just short. And when you're having to do it with Matt Ryan being dinged up and injured and your backup quarterback, Matt Schaub, having to, to run reps, it was a difficult task. But once again, Falcons come up short. And uh, I think the, as uh, one of the, the movies of the, the 90s, Backdraft, referred to it, the career dissipation light of Dan Quinn probably kicked into overdrive. <laughs> Backdraft reference. <laughs> that's, that's some deep cuts right there. The Falcons did have a rough first half, got a little fire back in the second, but ultimately lost to the Seahawks 27 to 20. Here's Coach Quinn right after the loss. You know, from a team standpoint, we came out in the second half and, uh, you know, fought back. You certainly can't lose the turnover battle, uh, zero to three, uh, and expect to come out ahead. So uh, for us, what we had talked to the team, the first half of the season is complete, and we have to come out for the second half of the season, much like we came out in the second half today. If we do that, we'll be the team uh, that we'd like to play like. But uh, certainly losing that turnover margin and digging yourself into a hole at the start, tough way to get started into, into a game. So, Taylor, what do you think? I mean, he's saying that we, have, we still have a chance, uh, but it doesn't look like the rest of the world is with him. Well, unfortunately, what John said was right on point. Uh, you hear these same things every week. we got to win the turnover battle. We have to stay prepared. You know, we're, we're going to figure out ways to get through this. But unfortunately, when you're one and seven, uh, those words have to be getting stale in the locker room. Uh, you know, despite what the players may say, you know, it, it seems like we're just in a bit of a Groundhog Day situation where we say the same things are going to change and they never do. Uh, so it seems that, you know, we're going to be stuck until something changes and it soon will. Okay, so fans, plenty of sports press calling now for Quinn to be fired. Over the past 36 hours, especially, all eyes are on the Falcons owner, Arthur Blank, to decide if he will replace Coach Quinn in the middle of the season. What factors go into a midseason replacement, Taylor? Well, I think really what you have to decide is, is the situation untenable? Meaning that it are things so bad that no matter what you do besides firing the coach, that it has to be done. In this case, it seems that we, despite the record, we might not be there yet as far as the chemistry goes. You know, players have come out in defense of Dan Quinn. They've said that it's on us. You know, we're the ones on the field. You know, he's on the sidelines. We have to be the ones playing better. Uh, and it seems that, you know, Making it to a Super Bowl in 2017 does buy you a good bit of capital, you know, when things aren't going so well. And Arthur Blank has said so, you know, these past few weeks, uh, pledging support, not so much recently.
So what do you think, John? What The arguments for and against keeping Coach Quinn have been firing on both sides. How uh, this is currently the Falcons bye week. Will a weekend off actually impact this choice, do you think? Arthur Blank has said repeatedly that he's going to be taking the, the bye week and the, the rest of the season to figure out the, the future of Dan Quinn. I think that the writing is on the wall, but what you have to, to look at here is if you go ahead and make the move and dismiss Dan Quinn, you've got another couple of coaches on staff who have NFL experience, mm-hmm. but are they a part of the problem as well? Who's your interim coach? Who's going to be taking over for Dan Quinn? Does chemistry continue to degrade from the point that it is right there? And how many of the players are, are held responsible for what they're doing on the field? It, it, it turns into a gigantic emotional snowball, really, when it comes to figuring out what you want to do with Dan Quinn. If you fire him now, is it worth firing him now? Or do you just go ahead and analyze the situation, take the remainder of the year, and with Arthur Blank and his business acumen, you're sitting there and you're looking right now at a business that is, that is failing. So then what's the best approach in a failing business? Do you analyze that business for X amount of period of time, or do you just go ahead and put the, uh, the for sale sign or the closed sign on the front door and figure out where to go from there and then reopen it under new management? How common is a midseason replacement of an NFL coach? It's occasional. Uh, it's more with coordinators, really, than it is with head coaches. The San Diego, uh, all right, so that's a dollar in the jar for me. The Los Angeles Chargers fired their offensive coordinator last night after uh, starting out their season three and six. It's more common with coordinators in this day and age. And really, if you're going to dismiss a head coach, it normally would happen later in the year. The bye week is the natural excuse, but you're looking at something that is so untenable, say game 13-14, that you just go ahead and do it, and then uh, you have an interim coach for those final couple of games. Is there a clear successor if they do replace Coach Quinn? Oh, well, probably. I... Taylor, I mean, probably it's one of those coordinators, yeah? Yeah, I'd have to say probably Dirk Cutter. You know, he's the one with the most recent coaching experience. He came over from Tampa Bay after running the show there. Um, but you've also got a couple other choices. You know, Mike Malarkey you know, was actually a offensive coordinator for the team a few years back. Um, but it, like, like, like John said, it, it's going to be a Band-Aid. Uh, and what will eventually happen next year is they're going to just throw out this entire staff and try to start over again. That is Taylor Gant from GPB. And we also have with us John Nelson. And correspondent and host of Football Fridays. That's on GBB TV and also the Football Fridays podcast, talking about the Atlanta Falcons and the possibility of a midseason replacement for their coach, Dan Quinn. Well, let's just change the subject, shall we? Let's there start afresh go, ourselves. <laughs> Atlanta United having a very opposite season, following on the heels of winning the MLS Cup last season, now one game away from a chance at taking it again, facing the Toronto Football Club in the Eastern Conference Final on Wednesday. That's tomorrow night right here in Atlanta. Um, Taylor, what what are you thinking about heading into this game? Well, one of the things I'm really hoping to see is the return of Michael Parkhurst, who you know, fans were watching a couple weeks ago, uh, had his shoulder dislocated or separated uh, on the field in the final moments of the game. And yes. there was training staff all over the place trying to pop it back in, and they couldn't do it. It was one of the more excruciating things you could see. <laughs> or This guy's just scene. in crazy pain. Uh, and he missed last week's playoff win. Uh, but he's in training right now, and it, it's looking like he'll have a good chance to come back. Um, so for me, it, it's... The reunification of that defense, uh, led by Michael Parker's, is a big, big step. All right. Should we be that concerned that Miles Robinson has been ruled out for the game? What do you think, John? 
perpetually, yeah. I mean, Miles has been out for the last couple of uh, games because of what happened when he was training with the U.S. men's national team, and that's a segment in and of itself, and Taylor and I both know that. But hmm. what you saw last time out was a, a back line of folks who are just as capable, but I know that when you're missing a, an all uh, an all eleven player in miles and what he's what he's meant to that back line at center back. There are players who can fill in the void and do things defensively for head coach Frank DeBoer. No, it's not the same having uh, Miles out of the lineup, but as it was evidenced last time out going up against Philadelphia, there are guys that can fill in the spots and do well defensively. Well, Atlanta United has faced Toronto Football Club twice so far. One win, one loss. What does United have to focus on going into this game? What do you think, John? Doing their thing. I mean, when you look at what happened in those other matches, you had a team in Atlanta United that was dealing with massive schedule compression, basically playing a lot of matches in a very short period of time and dealing with fatigue. And with the matchup that happened in Atlanta, the head coach for Toronto FC decided that he wanted to completely and totally rotate most of his squad and came out with a lineup that had a lot of folks scratching their head. So he put himself behind the eight ball there. When they played in Toronto, it was a very, very odd sequence of events. A penalty was called against Atlanta United that really shouldn't have been called, and that was a late goal that Toronto scored then with virtually no time left on the clock. You had a penalty called against Toronto that seemed like a bit of a make-good. So it was just a crazy chaos that happened in Toronto last time out. It's just Atlanta United right now, they just need to do what they need to do. The biggest question for Toronto is whether or not their big power forward, Josie Altador, is going to play. What do you think, uh, Taylor, after the Eastern Cup final, Seattle and L.A. face off on the West Coast. Mm. Which team is Atlanta United best suited to dominate? Well, think? I would say that uh, taking up matchups completely aside, obviously LAFC, probably the best team in soccer right now. Uh, but if they lose, that means that Atlanta United for the second year straight will get to host MLS Cup. So even if there were some dangerous players on Seattle, which there are, uh, you'd much rather host than go on the road. All right. All right. On to basketball and talk Hawks because the Atlanta Hawks have had a great start to their season. Two consecutive wins so far. Lost last night. Uh, so what's driving their success, Taylor? Well, it's absolutely this youth movement that has made up the Hawks. You have uh, six players in the regular rotation that are under 22 years old, oh which is, you know, so it, with, with that comes a lot of energy and a lot of uh, optimism, you know, for, for, for a good season. Um, and it's all, of course, led by Trey Young. He's uh, the second leading scorer in the NBA right now. 30 four points a game to go along with nine assists and he's just been fantastic to watch you know a couple of crowds uh, at State Farm Arena were packed out uh, over the past two games and it, it's easy to see that there is a lot of excitement around this team. So the Hawks in their second year of a rebuilding phase do you think they're on the right track to make it to the playoffs? I, I think they certainly have a great chance um, you know they missed by uh, you know, a, a slightly considerable margin last year only 29 wins uh, but considering how uh, the Eastern Conference has kind of suffered from injury Kevin Durant not playing this year in Brooklyn. That means there's an opening for a team, a scrappy young team like the the Hawks, to, to move in and at least qualify for the playoffs. And one member of the Hawks breaking a record this year at age 42, Vince Carter playing his 22nd year in the league. If he plays at least once in 2020, he's going to be the first NBA player to play in four different decades. So let's hear just a clip of him talking about that. When you put it in perspective, there's a few guys on this team who, who were not born yet. For me, sometimes it doesn't even feel like I've played that long. I mean, I've been around a long time, seen a lot of things, I know it. But when you say, yeah, it's been 22 years, it's just like, dang, it has been 22 years. So uh, for me, it's, it's kind of like this business as usual. 
That was Atlanta Hawks player Vince Carter. Uh, quickly to you, John, how does the game change for someone at that point in their career? You have to manage your body. You have to know what your body can do. You have to take care of your body better than you did probably in your 20s and 30s. And the fact that Vince can still dunk Taylor <laughs> at his age and have the hops to, to really bring the crowd out of their seats, it's, it's, it's a fun watch to see someone kind of go toe-to-toe with Father Time the way that Vince does. And if you if you need to go back and, and remember how great Vince Carter was, just you have to Google uh, Slam Dunk Contest 2000. Some of the best dunks you'll ever see. Uh, he was a revolutionary, you know, decades ago, and now he's still just this amazing role player today. All right, quickly to you, Taylor. NBA is dominated in, in the past couple of years by Golden State, certainly. Does it look mm-hmm. like that trend is going to continue? Well, it does. I mean, considering Kevin Durant, like I said before, left Golden State after he was injured in the finals, uh, went to Brooklyn. He's not in this year. Uh, so it's really going to be a, a bit of a wide open chase. You know, I'm not saying the Hawks are necessarily contenders this year. That's going to be in the future. Um, but you have teams like L.A. with, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, uh, both teams in L.A., uh, Clippers and Lakers, who are really going to make things very interesting uh, going on to the playoffs later this year. All right. GPB's Taylor Gant from our Morning Edition team here. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. And GPB's John Nelson, thank you so much for joining us in your busy schedule. Really appreciate it. Anytime, VA. John co-hosts GPB's Football Fridays in Georgia podcast, and you can subscribe for free. That's at gpb.org slash podcasts or anywhere that you get your podcasts. And we're going to close with the Football Fridays theme song. And if you have an Amazon smart speaker, you can hear John listing the top five high school football teams in games that he is following Just say, hey, Alexa, ask GPB for John's top games of the week. We always love to hear from you. You can ask us anything. You're on our Facebook group, GPB Radio's On Second Thought. Leave your comments, leave your suggestions, leave your thoughts. We're also on Twitter at OST Talk. Stay with us for a step inside Fuji's Academy in Clarkston and learn why it was just named the nicest place in Georgia. I'm Virginia Prescott. That's when On Second Thought continues.